Chapter Twenty One of Sixty Years in Southern California, eighteen fifty three to nineteen thirteen, by Harris Newmark. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. Chapter Twenty One Hancock, Lady Franklin, The Deluge, eighteen sixty one. When the Civil War began, California and the neighboring territory showed such pronounced Southern sympathies that the national government kept both under close surveillance. For a time stationing Major, afterward General James Henry Carleton, in 1862 sent across the Colorado River when the government drove out the Texans, with a force at Camp Latham near Bayona, and dispatching another force to Drum Barracks near Wilmington. The government also established a thorough system of espionage over the entire Southwest. In Los Angeles and vicinity, many people, some of whom I mention elsewhere, were arrested, among them being Henry Schaefer, who was taken to Wilmington Barracks, but through influential friends was released after a few days. On account of the known political views of their proprietors, some of the hotels also were placed under watch for a while, but beyond the wrath of the innkeepers at the sentinels pacing up and down their verandas, nothing more serious transpired. Men on both sides grew hot-headed and abused one another roundly but few bones were broken and little blood was shed. A policy of leniency was adopted by the authorities, and sooner or later persons arrested for political offenses were discharged. The ominous tidings from beyond the Colorado, and their effect, presaging somewhat the great intercene conflict, recalls an unpublished anecdote of Winfield Scott Hancock, who was a graduate of West Point, an intense patriot, and a natural-born fighter. One day in 1861, coincident with the Texan invasion, and while I was visiting him in his office on Main Street near 3rd, after he had removed from the upstairs rooms adjoining the Odd Fellows Hall in the Temple Building, John Goller dropped in with the rumor that conspirators, in what was soon to become Arizona, were about to seize the government stores. Hancock was much wrought up when he heard the report, and declared with angry vehemence that he would treat the whole damned lot of them as common thieves. In the light of this demonstration and his subsequent part as a national character of great renown, Hancock's speech at the 4th of July celebration in 1861, when the patriotic Angelenos assembled at the plaza and marched to the shady grove of Don Luis Sansevain, is worthy of special note. Hancock made a sound argument for the preservation of the Union and was heartily applauded, and a few days afterward one of the local newspapers, in paying him a deserved tribute, almost breathed inaugury in saying, Captain Hancock's loyalty to the Stars and Stripes has never for a moment been doubted, and we hope he may be advanced in rank and honors, and live to a green old age, to see the glorious banner of our country yet waving in peaceful glory over a united, prosperous, and happy people. Few of us, however, who heard Hancock speak on that occasion, dreamed to what high position he would eventually attain. Soon after this episode, that is, in the early part of August, 1861, Hancock left for the front in company with his wife, and taking with him his military band, he departed from San Pedro on the steamer Senator. Some of my readers may know that Mrs. Hancock, after whom the ill-fated Ada Hancock was named, was a southern woman, and though very devoted to her husband, had certain natural sympathies for the South. But none, I dare say, will have heard how she perpetrated an amusing joke upon him on their way north. When once out upon the briny deep, she induced the musicians to play Dixie, to the great amusement of the passengers. Like many Southerners, Mrs. Hancock was an Episcopalian and frequently contributed her unusual musical talent to the service of the choir of St. Athanasius Church, 
the little edifice for a while at the foot of pound cake hill first the location of the los angeles high school and now of the county courthouse and the forerunner of the episcopal pro cathedral on olive street opposite central park having in mind the sojourn in los angeles for years of these representative americans the following editorial from the los angeles star on the departure of the future general and presidential nominee seems to me now of more than passing significance while resident here captain hancock took great interest in our citizens the development of our resources and the welfare of this section of the country and as a public-spirited enterprising gentleman he will be missed from among us and his most estimable lady will long live in the hearts of her many friends we desire their prosperity happiness and long life wherever their lot may be cast the establishing of drum barracks and camp drum at wilmington was a great contribution to the making of that town for the government not only spent over a million dollars in buildings and works there and constantly drew on the town for at least part of its supplies but provisions of all kinds were sent through wilmington to troops in southern california utah yuma tucson and vicinity and new mexico p h popularly known as major downing was employed by banning for some time during the war to take charge of the great wagon trains of government supplies sent inland and later he opened a general merchandise store in wilmington after which he transacted a large volume of business with h newmark and company at the breaking out of the war the southern overland mail route was discontinued and a contract was made with butterfield for service along a more central course by way of great salt lake there was then a stage six times a week and a branch line ran to denver the terminus having been changed from st joseph to omaha twenty days was the time allowed the company to get its stages through during eight months of the year and twenty-three days for the more uncertain winter months this contract was made for three years and one million dollars a year was the compensation allowed the butterfields after the war the old route was resumed j debarth shorb came to los angeles at the commencement of the war as assistant superintendent of the philadelphia and california oil company and in eighteen sixty seven he bought the tecumseh grant and began to mine upon the property the same year he married a daughter of b d wilson establishing a relationship which brought him a partnership in the san gabriel wine company of which he eventually became manager his position in this community until he died in eighteen ninety five was important the little town of shorb testifying to one of his activities not only were the followers of the indefatigable padres rather tardy in taking up the cultivation of olives but the olive oil industry hereabouts was a still later venture as an illustration even in eighteen sixty one somewhat less than five hundred gallons of olive oil was made in all los angeles county and most of that was produced at the san fernando mission how important was the office of the janeiro may be gathered from the fact that in eighteen sixty one he was paid twelve hundred dollars a year while the mayor received only eight hundred dollars and the treasurer two hundred dollars less than the mayor at the same time the marshal owing to the hazardous duties of his office received as much as the mayor the city attorney one hundred dollars less than the treasurer and the clerk but three hundred and fifty by eighteen sixty one there were serious doubts as to the future of cattle raising in southern california but banning and company came forward proposing to slaughter at new san pedro and contracted with john temple john rains and others to do their killing for a while the enterprise was encouraged temple alone having six hundred heads so disposed of and sold in september columbus sims the popular attorney of unique personality who from eighteen fifty six to eighteen sixty had been clerk of the united states district court was appointed lieutenant colonel in the united states army and placed in charge of camp alert 
at the pioneer racecourse san francisco where twelve companies were soon assembled and a month or two later he was made colonel in the second cavalry late in december of that year however he had an altercation with d d colton in san francisco when blows were exchanged and sims drew a deadly weapon for this the doughty colonel was arrested and held to await the action of the grand jury but i am under the impression that nothing very serious befell the belligerent sims as a result on september eleventh h stassforth after having bought out a w schultz announced a change in the control of the united states hotel inviting the public at the same time to a free lunch at half past four o'clock in the following sunday stassforth was an odd but interesting character and stated in his advertisement that guests were at liberty when they had partaken of the collation to judge if he could keep a hotel whether successful or otherwise stassforth did not long continue in control for in november eighteen sixty two he disposed of the business to weber and haas who in turn sold it to Louis Mesmer. In the fall, an atrocious murder took place here, proving but the first in a series of vile deeds for which eventually the culprit paid with his own life at the hands of an infuriated populace. On Sunday evening, September 30th, some Frenchmen were assembled to sit up with the body of one of their recently deceased countrymen, and about eleven o'clock a quarrel arose between two of the watchers, A.M.G., or Michel Le Chenet, a man once of good repute, who had cast some slurs at the French Benevolent Society, and Henry de Laval, a respected employee of the Aliso Mills, who spiritedly defended the organization. La Chenet drew a weapon, approached de Laval, and tried to shoot him, but the pistol misfired. Thereupon La Chenet, enraged, walked toward a lamp, adjusted two other caps, and deliberately shot de Laval through the body. The next day his victim died la chenet made his escape and so eluded the authorities that it was not until the middle of february eighteen sixty six that he surrendered himself to deputy sheriff henderson then he was tried but was acquitted about october remy nadeau a canadian after whom nadeau street is named and father of george a nadeau came across the plains to los angeles having spent the previous winter en route in salt lake city and for a while he teamed between here and montana Within the year, believing that San Francisco offered a larger field, he moved to that city and continued his operations there. In the front part of a little building on Main Street, between 2nd and 3rd, Lorenzo Leck, whom I have already mentioned, conducted a grocery, living with his family in the rear. He was a plain, unassuming, honest Dane of the old school, who attended scrupulously to his business and devoted his Sundays and holidays to modest amusements. On such days he would put his wife, Caroline, and their children on a little wagon that he owned and take them to his vineyard on the outskirts of the town and there he would enjoy with them those rural pastimes to which he had been accustomed in the fatherland and which to many early comers here were a source of rest and delight on the afternoon of saturday october seventeenth francisco cota a mexican boy fifteen years of age entered leck's store while he was out and taking advantage of the fact that frau leck was alone whipped out a knife stabbed her to death stole what cash was in sight and then escaped to a vineyard where he hid himself john w henderson the son of a j henderson a deputy sheriff still living in los angeles came in soon after and finding mrs leck horribly disfigured he gave the alarm neighbors and friends at once started in pursuit and caught cota and having tied a rope around the murderer's neck during the excitement they dragged him down alameda street where i witnessed the uproar as they proceeded by way of aliso street the mob became more and more infuriated 
so that before it reached the spot which had been selected for his execution the boy had been repeatedly stabbed and was nearly dead at length he was strung up as a warning to other malefactors a short time after this melancholy event i was driving with my rife to the sarritos rancho and missing our road we stopped at a mexican home to inquire the way the woman who answered our summons proved to be one who knew and was known by all los angeles merchants on account of her frequent excursions to town she was in fact the mother of the mexican boy who had been mobbed and hung for the murder of poor lex wife the sight of gringos kindled anew her maternal wrath and she set up such a hue and cry as to preclude any further intelligible conversation california being so far removed from the seat of war did not awake to its full significance until the credit of the government began to decline four weeks were required it is well to remember to complete the trip from new york to san francisco via panama and our knowledge of events in the east was far from perfect until the completion of the continental telegraph in october eighteen sixty one the only immediate news that reached the coast came privately and we were therefore pretty much in the dark until the arrival of eastern newspapers and even after that telegraphing was so expensive that our poorly patronized little news sheets could not afford the outlay a few of us therefore made up a purse of one hundred dollars a month which small sum enabled us to allay our anxiety at least in the case of very important happenings it must not be forgotten though that we then had a little relief from san francisco whose newspapers containing some telegraphic despatches arrived in town perhaps three to four days after their publication i may add in fact that it was not until about the beginning of the eighties that los angeles dailies could afford the luxury of regular direct telegrams in other respects as well editing a local newspaper during the war was apt to entail financial loss the los angeles news for instance was outspoken for the union and so escaped the temporary eclipse suffered by the star through government censorship but the unionists being in a decided minority in the community pickings for the news were mighty poor perhaps this want of patronage suggested the advisability in eighteen sixty three when that paper was published by c r conway and alonzo waite on main street opposite the express office of reducing the subscription rate to five dollars a year probably one of the most interesting visits to los angeles ever made by a well-known personage was the sudden call with which lady franklin the wife of the eminent lost arctic explorer honored our little town far back in eighteen sixty one the distinguished lady accompanied by mrs crickroft her niece commodore and madame watkins and collector and mrs rankin arrived at san pedro on the golden state during the first week in november and was driven with her companions to the bella union hotel from which she made such short excursions about the city as were then possible and as sympathy for her in her sorrow and admiration for her long years of plucky though vain search for her husband were still general every courtesy possible was afforded her during lady franklin's stay benjamin d wilson arranged a delightful garden party at his hospitable mansion at lake vineyard in her ladyship's honor and phineas banning also entertained her with a reception and collation at his san pedro home and these receptions and collations were as enjoyable as they were notable after a day or two lady franklin and her party left on the senator for san francisco being accorded as the vessel weighed anchor a marked ovation for many years funerals were attended by men on horseback and by women on foot as hacks were unknown in early days and while the good citizens were doubtless then conducted to their last resting place in a manner just as satisfactory to themselves as are their descendants who are buried according to present-day customs 
those who followed in the train were very seriously inconvenienced by the melancholy dusty processions to the old and now forgotten burial grounds for in those days the trip in summer exceedingly hot and in winter through rain and mud was a long fatiguing one speaking of funerals a strange sight was witnessed in our streets about the end of november eighteen sixty one attending the burial of a child the father and mother both native californians were seated in a wagon in which was also placed the strikingly plain little coffin or box containing the dead beside the wagon walked an old man playing a fiddle two or three persons followed in the deep mud the whole forming a weird picture said to be the relic of an almost obsolete backwoods custom banning and hitchman's comet proving insufficient the gondolier was put on in the fall of eighteen sixty one it became a familiar craft in the conveying of passengers and freight between new san pedro and the ships lying off the harbor two years previous to the completion of the telegraph from san francisco to los angeles that is in eighteen fifty eight the first continental telegraph was undertaken and by october eighteen sixty one governor downey of california sent a congratulatory message to president lincoln on november seventh the line was open to the public several months before all the companies in the state had consolidated into the california state telegraph company banning and hinchman having succeeded for a short season phineas banning the subcontractor for building of the first telegraph they made an effort following the establishment of communication between the atlantic and the pacific to secure a line to new san pedro and at the end of october eighteen sixty one the first telegraph pole in the long row from los angeles to the harbor was formally set about the middle of november this line was completed and though it was widely proclaimed as working like a charm the apparatus soon got out of order and by the following january there were many complaints that both poles and wire had fallen to the ground blocking the thoroughfares and entangling animals in such a way as to become a nuisance indeed there was soon a public demand either to repair the telegraph or to remove it altogether and throw the equipment away soon after the first of february eighteen sixty two the line was working again but by that time the telegraph to san francisco had gotten out of order and so great were the difficulties in repairing that line that los angeles was not again talking uninterruptedly over the wire with its neighbor until july on november fifteenth the first number of el amigo del pueblo printed in spanish appeared from the shop of jose e gonzalez and company but native support being withheld the friend of the people starved to death in the following may whaling like shark hunting continued brisk in eighteen sixty one and eighteen sixty two and many vessels were fitted out at san pedro los angeles merchants selling them most of their supplies the sea monsters usually moved up the coast about the first of the year the males keeping in toward the shore going up and the females hugging the coast coming down and small boats such as captain w clark's ocean used to take from four hundred and fifty to five hundred barrels of oil in five or six weeks for six days in march eighteen sixty two san pedro whalers harpooned a whale a day bringing to the landing over two hundred barrels of oil as a result of the week's labor the bitter fight between abolitionists and southern sympathizers was immediately reflected in the public schools defenders of the union worked for a formal oath of allegiance to the national government as a preliminary to granting teachers certificates while the confederates incensed at what they deemed a violation of personal rights assailed the institutions the result was that attendance at the public schools gradually fell off until in the winter of eighteen sixty five and sixty six only about three hundred and fifty children of school age were being instructed by public teachers 
another third of a thousand was in private schools while some three hundred and sixty-nine were not on any roster the gloom naturally caused by the outbreak of war was sometimes penetrated by the brightness of social life and among the happier occasions of the winter of eighteen sixty one was the marriage on december twenty third in the presence of a large circle of friends of tom de mott to ascension daughter of don jose andres and doña francisca abila sepulveda the winter of eighteen sixty one to sixty two recorded the greatest of all floods especially in the north where in december and january something like thirty-five inches of rain was precipitated in los angeles county the rivers soon rose and overflowed the lowlands but the rise was gradual causing the loss of but few or no lives and permitting the stock to reach the neighboring hills in safety in anaheim the water was four feet deep in the streets and people had to seek flight to the uplands or retreat to the roofs of their little houses vineyards were sometimes half ruined with the layers of deep sand banks of streams were lined for miles with driftwood and ranchers saw many a clod of their farms carried off and deposited to enrich their neighbors miles away for a month it rained so steadily that the sun peeped out for scarcely an hour i witnessed this inundation in los angeles where much damage was done to business buildings especially to mellis's row and saw merchants in water up to their waists trying to save their goods the wall of the room occupied by sam meyer fell first whereupon Hellman and brother became intensely interested in the removal of their stock, while poor Sam, knee-deep in water, sadly contemplated his losses. Before the Hellmans had made much headway, they observed a tendency on the part of their walls to crumble, and their exit was neither graceful nor delayed. After that, the store occupied by Meyer and Breslauer caved in, smashing showcases and shelves, and ruining a large amount of merchandise. The ludicrous picture of this rush for safety first is not a fit reflection of the feelings of those pioneers who saw the results of years of labor obliterated in a moment. Friends and neighbors lent assistance to the unfortunate and helped to save what they could. After this flood, Hellman and brother and Sam Meyer removed to the Arcadia block, while Meyer and Breslauer secured accommodations north of the Plaza Church. End of chapter 21